Hi everybody, welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm your host Jeremy Hanks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. This week I've got the uh, Canadian Ed Roman, or Red Omen, he has dyslexia, we will cover that quite a bit. He is from the Great White North, and uh, he's huge in Canada and in South Africa. He's an agriculturalist, metaphysical anarchist, and uh, a very interesting guy who grows his own beets and makes his own liquor out of that. Um, We're going to kick this one off with his single, Stronger, from the album that came out last year, Stronger. In the meantime, let's kick it off, everybody. Enjoy this sticky jazz. Everybody, good day and welcome to Sticky Jazz. This is Jeremy Hanks rolling it out here in Salt Lake City, Utah in the Sticky Jazz Studios. And this week I got Ed Roman. Uh, and where are you today, Ed? Talk to me. Well, Jeremy, you know, you're in Utah. I'm in Ontario. So I don't know if we're sharing similar weather, but we got lots of snow on the ground, had multiple storms in the last couple of days. And it's getting nicer. I can hear birds coming back, and there's a melt on. So bring on the February thaw. 
Well, we've we've been sitting here in the non-winter phase forever. That when we did get a little bit of snow, we got excited. So, um, <laughs> although I, I I have to say, so I am an honorary Canadian, and uh, so my uh, my experiences up there, uh, I, I know the Canadian winter. I, I know it very well. So, I I went to university up there in uh, Montreal. And oh. so I uh, I know, you know, one meter of snow in 24 hours, that's kind of normal, man. You can, you know, that that happens. And it was, uh, that was a crazy cold world up there. But I loved it. But uh, I, I prefer the warmer times of year there. That that three weeks where it was nice and warm up there in Montreal, right? So, um, so were you at Concordia? Then you were at Concordia, Laurier? Uh... No, I was at uh, the Ecole Polytechnique de Montréal. I was... Uh, I oh, was... nice, nice. Yeah, I was at a, a... Everybody asked that. They think I went to one of the Ameri- the English schools up there. But no, I, I went to the French one. Uh, one of the French ones up there. And um, it was cheap, you know. Uh, Canadian universities are cheap <laughs> if you're an American student and you're dirt poor, so... That was uh, well. I mean, I, 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 like, I, we could go down that road, but like, I think the average tuition for a university here, yeah, is cold, pushing over 120k for the year. That's just on the small end of things. So, whoa. Canadian. Whoa, because yeah. I, I was paying 500 a semester when I was up there, man. It was. Well, when I, when I was at Humber, when I college music <laughs> program, my first year was uh, $700, and I actually paid more for textbooks than I did for my tuition fee. But with the student loans and things like that, I know people that, you know, after 20 years after university, they were still paying back their OSAP loans and things like that just because they were like thousands of dollars in debt. Wow. Geez. No, I, my experience was, I, I don't know why it was so cheap for me there, because, but, you know, that was... Uh... That was my time up there in the Great White North, and uh, awesome that you're you're here to talk. I, I have to say, here's the, the the joke is that I'm one of those people that knows there's more to Canadian music than Rush and Celine Dion, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, she's got the Las Vegas show, and you know, she's Celine, and you know, but like Canadian, that's yeah. I mean, I grew up listening to Rush. I I, I got to meet, you know, Alex because I covered one of their tunes years ago on one of my first double albums that I put out. And I, you know, they were those, you know, pushing the envelope for your young prowess self, you know, prog rock. And they were they they were approachable, you know, especially people like Alex and Getty. I remember my buddy and I were at a video store when we were kids, and we were like. There's Alex Lifeson, you know, and, he, and we knew he lived up the road from like where we are, just a couple of miles, really. And uh, and he was trying, you know, sneaking up. Come, hey, man, can we have your autograph, right? And then years later, I do this tune and I meet him and everything. And I we're sitting down and we're having something to eat. We're at this event for a charity fundraiser. And I said, Do you remember me as that fat little kid that came up to you in the movie store up in Richmond Hill that asked you for his? And he said, Actually, I do. Were you with like a little blonde guy? That was like, and I was like, yeah, that was my buddy, right? And, and it was just like crazy because the event I was actually at was started by him, and he had passed away just a couple of years before that. Oh wow! So that was yeah. a, that was a sweet moment, but kind of a bittersweet moment coming around with. So yeah, everybody yeah. I've heard said that Rush were really approachable. Um, and uh, the only time I heard about Getty Lee actually being a dick was he saw somebody like. Some someone yelled something anti-Semitic, and Getty Lee kind of like actually lost his cool and went off on him. I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, because Getty Lee's never been one. You know, nobody's ever known him to really come unhinged like that. But he really, he really let that guy have it. And I think that was the only well, I mean, time I've heard about that. So yeah, Rush were great well, guys. Too, yeah, me too. Because I think it's just with Getty's background, we're all maybe now more familiar with that, and his parents being you know Holocaust survivors and stuff, and. You know, he's he can be uh, my producer. Mike has worked with them a couple of times now. And, and he's like, you know, they're amazing people. And Neil and everybody and Alex is so easy to talk to and da 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 And I'm like, and he goes, you know, but Getty, but Getty can be pretty dark, you know. And, and it's part of generational heritage, sort of, you know, emotional trauma that's, you know, passed from generation to generation. And you talk to a good cognitive psychotherapist and they'll, they'll tell you all about it. Oh, yeah. No, I, I got that. I, I'm, I'm curious down all kinds of bad scottish blood you know so 
Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, let's see the 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 worst that Glasgow had to offer the uh it, it was my dad and dad's side of the family you know alcoholic multiple personality abusive bipolar right all of that yeah that was my dad's side of the family but they had some bad qualities too you know so uh, <laughs> so <laughs> But uh, so no, the last time I was up there in the Great White North, my wife and I, we decided just kind of on a whim, we were going to drive up. We were in Columbus, Ohio, and we drove up to Kincardine to see the Cowboy Junkies play. Dude, that's 45 minutes, 50 minutes from where I live. I'm north of Toronto by about an hour and 40 minutes, Okay, depending on who's driving. So yeah, like, and I know people out in that neck of the woods, I used to gig out there. Great little town, Port Elgin's north of there, Grand Band just south of there. But you're in a good place, Cowboy Junkies, another great band. Oh Canadians. yeah, yeah, Canadians, man. Like, uh, I, I, so they were amazing. It was really cool because, like, I, I love them. I've seen them all over the planet, you know. But we drove all that like like 1200 kilometers which i don't know what that would be and you know whatever but we we got up there and uh we you know they came out on stage and i stood up and i was like yeah and i was the only one standing up and everyone's like sit down man it's it's the junkies so i was like okay fine you know and and they they were great you know and 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 track i wanted to hear like misguided angel and then open open i was they played the the first two bang i was like wow man all right got those out of the way it doesn't matter what they do after this man i'm set you know so (laughs) but oh yeah no the, the junkies are amazing live they're fantastic so Oh, you tell that story, and you're the only one standing up going, yeah, and like, you know, Canadians can be ultra-conservative and sometimes extremely liberal, but I know what you mean. We're going to Carlos Santana one night. I'm with my, my buddy Mike, my producer, and, I, and like, he's just going into this incredible solo, and I stand up because he's going into Third third Stone from the Sun by Hendrix, and and all of a sudden, I realize as I turn around, I look, and it's that the entire audience is sitting down, and I'm the only one standing, you know, with my arms raised above my oh, head yeah. going, yeah! Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, people, look what's going on on the stage right now. They're transforming the sun, you know, for you right now. Sure. Yeah. No. I, so let's see. I, I've known the Canadians to come unhinged when there's. Uh, let's see. Well, everybody hated the Montreal because they call themselves the Canadians anyway, for as far as hockey goes. But uh, the, the like. The separatist movement is alive and kicking. Uh, you can see it when they're on the ice and in the in in the parking lot after the the hockey match. Right, that's when they will get violent. I've never seen Canadians want to get violent until then. I was like, "Wow, guys, calm down!" But you know, the fists were flying hey, at that point. You know. Oh yeah, I mean Canadians take their hockey pretty seriously, and you know, even what's what's been going on and things being postponed for periods of time, it's been kind of crazy i mean from the time that you're really young the idea of putting a set of skates on and you know hitting everything from a rink to a puddle you know mm-hmm. is, was like what, what we wanted to do but yeah i mean montreal separatist movement i mean that's been going on as long as i've had cognitive thought i think that it stems way back into a lot of stuff i mean canada is for it was forged by the french i mean every the courier de bois the voyageur all of that was the early inception of what needed to happen and then in came the british mode oh we're going to take this from you you know sure. and, and and so that that that's that's always been you know commonwealth country with a sort of french sort of common sense thing going on in it it hasn't been good and and to tell you the truth it's they have a very different mentality about certain things that's not a bad thing because i love french canadians i know so many french canadians and at the same time i'm like they treat people differently they they're, they're the way they live their lives agricultural practices certain things it's it i can see how it has that stem of parisian sort of influence like if you go to provence or something like that but you know there's also rougher edges to it too and you know but very different than like go to toronto as opposed to montreal oh yeah like no they were in, in different yeah. place totally different planet man but uh well, I, I don't know. I, I love French good, Canada, that, that, though. I, I loved it. There was a few things that, like, I couldn't find cheddar cheese. There was no good Mexican restaurants when I was there. You know, so. I, <laughs> no, but true Quebec story, is man. Like, 
so so often I'm like looking at something in, in the market or whatever cheese, and I'm like, oh, it's coming from Montreal, Quebec area. So there's so many dairies mm-hmm. and things like that that are making an incredible. So if you couldn't find any cheese, I no, mean, no, I couldn't I'd find cheddar cheese, which is what Americans oh, put on their tacos. Right, you know. Right. Right, right, so, right, right. Although right. my my roommates say so, you can get it up there. I thought it was a trip. Uh, dope fed beef, you know, they would get, uh, <laughs> and 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 I ate some. Man, it was like mondo expensive, right? It was like seven bucks for five hundred grams, but it was so good though. Oh man, it's like. like like the the Kobe beef almost of the Kobe beef of Canada. They feed them dope for the last month, and it's just oh, it was amazing. So anyway, so um, all right, I I come across this. I first of all, I've I've tried to find the maybe I didn't look hard enough the video or the movie, um, the the Red Omen uh, video mo- movie right. The, yep. I, I I've not been able to find that. I found lots of other things about it. But I haven't actually been, and maybe I wasn't looking hard enough. Uh, can you talk about what that was? I mean, I, I know a little bit, but can you talk a bit about the, the video and what it was and what it went out for? And Absolutely. And, and you can check it out on my YouTube channel at Special Ed Roman. If you just go into the search window and type Red Omen, the video, it'll pop up. And thanks for asking about that. But um, I, we're, what is it about? But uh, It's a story about me full of... Uh, allegory i guess in the fantasiful aspects of certain things and some truths but and and also an homage to certain people in a sort of esoteric kind of way that have you know helped me go through my process you know it's sort of a a a look in retrospect as as who i am as a person from younger to older and the whole idea behind red omen obviously is it's an anagram of my own name and i'm a just Right, and I'm a dyslexic, so everybody's like, "Oh, you read everything backwards," and da da da. That's what they thought a long time ago when they started diagnosing people with this sort of thing. And what it is is not is a, is a disability. What I've come to really embrace from hearing people like Henry Winkler and a lot of really outspoken dyslexics that are out in the community think, "Well, geez, this person couldn't obviously have a problem with language or literature or reading, but they do." What we do takes three or four times longer than most people. But the reason for this is because our concept of learning is more of a spatial, dimensional, and pictorial conception. So if we're tactically three-dimensionally engaging in our environment, we are thriving. If we're looking at something two-dimensional like text, and then we have to decipher what, first of all, the word looks like, trying to pronounce what the word may actually be, and then getting through the process of understanding, of comprehending what the word is, it slows down the process of reading an incredible amount. As a, as a consequence, you're always working trying to make that basic average when other people can get through the information because they see it differently. Where you're going to find a dyslexic is in practically every dimension of the arts, mechanics, engineering, so many places where they're applying their actual physical self to whatever it may be. And and as a dyslexic and working with the whole dyslexic society, I start to realize, man, from script writers, dancers, poets, musicians, and like all in those fields. And then the other thing is, is that through that process, talking to other people that aren't in those fields... But we're mechanics or electricians. So, you know, I struggled in school. Man, I had so much trouble reading. I could barely keep a D-plus or C average. You know, I was always, you know, threat of failing. You know, what was that vocational stuff was like where they flourished. And when they flourished, they all of a sudden had a sense of independence, something that was away from the issues of their self-esteem being crippled by the fact that they could never maintain something that would say, well, you're worth it. Now you're going to go to college or university and be something. Where you know, So the, the song itself is suggesting to believe in yourself. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're passionate about selling shoes and, and that, pa- that passion will translate it will exemplify everything that you do in your daily life. If you want to be a great carpenter or a plumber or an electrician, it doesn't matter what it is, but it has that ability of like, I believe in myself. And, and the other thing is that in society, there's so many things in terms of asking, putting yourself up against something, even in the music world, you know, when you're a younger player, oh man, I wish it was like Hendrix. Oh man, I wish it was like Jocko. Oh man, I wish it was like so-and-so. We all do that to that point. It's that sense of reverence that you have as a patron for you know loving that person and that and that artist but at the same time you're like you can't be that person 
you have to be yourself on a regular basis every day and accept what those things are. And, 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 and through the process of dyslexia and having so much difficulty, that's why I gravitated to music. That's why I wrote the song. I wanted it to feel fantastical in some kind of a way. And at the very end to summate, in the cartoon itself, there's the character Red Omen, me, falling backwards into a mirror, catching myself. That has that sense of, like, you have to catch yourself. There's not always going to be somebody there for you. You have to be believing yourself every day. And the, and the lyric suggests, it says, I didn't believe in myself, if no one else, to be making voodoo music in some small town way up in Canada. Well, yeah, and I, here I, I, I am was, today. Yeah, that was the I was going to say, like, listening to it, I, I knew it was the, 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 the anagram there, but... Was the kid trouble? Was it one kid of several, uh, or was it just you? I guess was the was one of the because you, you said there were other people involved, or at least other people influencing. Um, oh, the the whole project you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, this is it. Like, uh, I'm always writing, and I went, look, here's a song. Like, I, 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 when I was writing it, I always saw and felt it like to be a cartoon. It has a very playful, like child sound to it. And I started reaching out to everybody from like like Montreal to like Windsor to like and even in the United States sending emails and to no avail for almost two years. And, and then until finally one day frustrated online, I find this gif and it's this Easter Island Moai that's like blurting out this blah, blah blah just over and over again i'm like well who created this what's this all because people around the world call themselves ed heads and the little emoticon that they use is the little moai ed head and i've been sort of insinuating that whenever i communicate with people so he i follow it up i just haphazardly go okay i'll try it what the hell send the guy a letter sure enough he says man i absolutely love this tune he goes i really want to work on it he goes you know what it's really weird that you're contacting me right now. I said, well, why, man? Nelson Diaz, New York City, SpongeBob SquarePants, Ted 2, Kung Fu Panda, oh, okay. uh, Sesame Street, Teletoon. I mean, the guy's got like an incredible, you know, vast array of ability. And he said, I just got back with my family from Machu Picchu. And there's this lyric that I immediately hear about being on Machu Picchu. He goes, and I love Hendrix. So all of a sudden, and he goes, and the other thing is, like, for, like, a year, he's been sending out his resumes to different bands to say, hey, I'd like to make a video for you. I'd like to do a cartoon, an animation, da, da, da. Nobody gets back to him. So he goes, it's so weird that you're you're doing this and connecting because it's I want to do this. I really like the song and the ideas, and there's all this serendipity going on. Well, as that's happening, and we're screenplaying, putting it all together and storyboarding it and everything, I get my manager, Michael Stover, to reach out to the whole Dyslexic Society in the United States, through Ron Davis Dyslexic Society, who's in California. Ron himself is a dyslexic. He developed a big, a huge curriculum that's actually embraced by 56 nations around the world. The faction of that is also in Canada, known as the whole Dyslexic Society, facilitating offices in every province. And now I'm friends with the president of Sioux Hall through just reaching out and going, look, I'm a dyslexic. This is what's going on with me. This is something that we're creating. Would you be interested in, in, in looking at it? Before you know it, this wonderful culmination of an organization, an idea, and an animator are all just happening. And happening for a reason that I was just like, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't, I'm, all the proceeds and everything that are, that are happening with Red Omen are going to help facilitating programs for kids that struggle with dyslexia. And it's got me in the door to talk to people like CIBC, a major bank in this country for assistance, turned me on to so many wonderful people to help me not only raise money, but bring about awareness for what for what's going on with the program and dyslexia in general 56 nations around the world have that program that ron created it's not in canada or the united states which is where ron lives and it was created i said to the people at cibc i said look this is just a band-aid effect in terms of money the most important thing for me to be able to do is open up a dialogue with the ministries of education to implement this into early education because it's 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 happening everywhere. Why not in the countries that, you know, need it instead of people having to pay out of pocket or keep knocking on doors like we're always doing, saying, hey, you know, would you be interested in da 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 da? So the, it's become a vanguard of, of uh, and a vehicle for me to be able to speak about this and do all these different kinds of things, all just because in this way I gave it away. And, I, and, and, the, and the, as I progress through my existence, I'm starting to realize more and more that the more that I give away, the more that actually comes back to me. I said to an interviewer today, I said, you know, 
I'm, I feel so ama- like amazed to be alive right now. People are scared. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. But it is one of the most amazing times to be alive because there's so much potential happening everywhere. Every day I look at certain things in social media and there's good things and bad things. But you know what's rising to the top is that cream. All that beautiful energy and people doing stuff for each other on a regular basis. And the talent and the amount of talent that is out there is staggering. So the the Red Omen has taught me a lot. It's given me a license not only for for being able to do this, but at the same time, a license in a sense of freedom away from what that used to be for me, which was a problem. I think of it now as a gift. Wow. And so it's not your alter ego. (laughs) um, Well, (laughs) so I remember remember the first time I heard it, I was like, it's it's got this like Jimmy Buffett meets Blue Rodeo vibe to it. Right. Which and that was very enjoyable. (laughs) And uh, um, so I I, I really got so anyway, got a kick out of that. love the sound there uh so real quick are you first american well no i'm 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 first generation canadian my dad okay. was born in slovakia my oh, mom okay. was, but i have so many relatives in the u.s from california to new york i mean right across the u.s half of my family went to the u.s many many years ago and part of my family came to canada okay just because i you so it's gonna sound funny or what whatever but um I've developed an ear for what it sounds like Canadian rock. I don't know how to say it other than like what you did, right? Um, Blue Rodeo, uh, some of that tragically hip stuff. I mean, I, I just, for some reason, the bare naked ladies, right? It just, you have this sound that, that kind of weaves through a lot of these other uh, Canadian bands that I thought was really fun to, to listen to. I was like, like how to just like there's an australian type sound that i've noticed and now there's this canadian thing that you guys are coming out with it's pretty cool i i really did enjoy listening to it for that reason um because i like i like i get probably 30 records a week and wow. I, I usually <laughs> don't i'm i will give them all a, a once through uh, most of the time, some I just go, okay, this is garbage, and I, you know, don't uh, do anything else with it. But this one, it just kept pulling up these really fun little hooks, and I was like, ooh, I gotta get more and more and more. So that's why I reached out to your management. Um, oh man, thank, thank you. Eh? So, but uh, I was gonna say, you laughed. Was it the Jimmy Buffett or the Blue Rodeo thing that made you laugh? Was that the? Well, I know it's elation because I, I think Jimmy's great and and and, I, and Blue Rodeo. I mean, I played with Jim Cuddy Band a couple of times, and I love I love Blue Rodeo. And you're right; it is really definable in a really interesting way. Just like you said, Australia or even stuff I've heard coming out of Hawaii. Yeah, well, like, it's, it's, it's just it's, got a very specific vibe to it. Um, like there's a there was a band called Love Bites. And they had an element to them like uh, like Midnight Oil had the same, and then the Church. Right? All these there was a certain feel that went through all these Australian bands for a while there, and you guys have it this Canadian thing. So it must be in the water up there, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's the snow, man. It's because of the snow. Is that it? Well, I, well, uh, Alan Doyle said, yeah, all like. Well, they're out in Newfoundland, which, you know, they've been there so long, they've been, you know, breeding with the seals, but um, the they said, oh yeah, there's nothing to do in the winter except drink and play music, because, you know, we can't go out in the boat, so that's all we're going to do is sit around and drink and play music, and that's where, you know, that Newfie, Great Big Sea, actually, <laughs> is, is there anything those guys should sing about that doesn't involve drinking, fishing, or boats? Um <laughs> So well, I was gonna say, you know, Spirit of the West. I mean, gotta talk about. Oh, those guys are yeah. Talk about a song about drinking. Jeez, that uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, home for rest, man. Excuse me. Oh yeah, Yeah, you're right. (laughs) So oh, that was home for rest. Yeah, no, that was some great lines in there. They found every way to say we got completely shit faced drunk. I think that was the one song to put every possible way of saying that in there. Um, and the whole and these so-called vacations will soon be my death. You know the, the oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the best line there was um, 
Oh, geez, the gas heater's empty. It's dark as a tomb. The spirits we drank are all coming back at noon. I mean, it was just, <laughs> just the, you know, I'm knackered again. Oh, uh, sleep, take me soon. Uh, and, and don't lift up my head till the 12 bells of noon. You'll have to excuse me. I'm not at my best. I've been gone for a month. I've been drunk since I left. <laughs> it's so great eh? it's so great and like to see all the, i've seen them a bunch of times in concert too other than just like in, in bars and stuff like when back in university and stuff <laughs> the whole audience singing that opening line of that chorus like it's unbelievable we used to play that in a cover band too and it would happen every time we'd play it just people just eat that up. well when, when we did a great big c it was uh old black rum um, cause the old black rum's got a hold on me like a dog wrapped around my leg. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's true newfie style to say I drink 16 doubles for the price of one. That is about as newfie a thing to say as, uh, <laughs> but so, um, so yeah, wait, okay, okay. When I was up there, uh, they had the bathtub vodka taste off, um, when I was in Montreal and, they said it's not necessarily vodka, but it has to be home brewed. But that it's going to be different everywhere, every geographically defined area. They're going to have something different, but it's going to be like a stout or a rum or a beer or vodka, whatever. But what is it where you are? What they always call it moose juice, and it's local to whatever. What what is the moose juice in your redneck of the woods? Well, I mean, uh, as far as I can tell. I may be one of the very few in my area that is actually manufacturing moose juice on a regular basis. <laughs> so what is yours? <laughs> so, well, I, here I'm a pretty avid gardener. Uh, I grow a lot of food, I cr corn specifically. So I've got a corn one that I do. But I've been experimenting because I also have an orchard. So I've also made apple. So they're really brandies because they're not they're grain. If you're going to be base grain, you know, corn for sure or wheat for sure, rice, you know, those are which you're going to be getting your basic vodkas out of. But through this process, so apple, as I said, beet, because I grew my own beets, and there's a good sugar content. Conversion's not that bad. Oh, it's pretty similar man. to corn. It actually has some of the most interesting tastes. It's my brother's favorite. Every year he asks me for, like, two big bottles of it. And he, he just made a whole bunch of smoked meat, so I'm going to trade him some of, some of my beet stuff for, the, for some smoked meat. But I've experimented with pear as well and banana believe it or not when the dollar cart comes out and it's full of bananas i'm like oh so so, 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 to go. so the ed roman uh moose juice is you got quite a, a lot of different ones there that's that's interesting man. well yeah, yeah it's all hobbyist i mean i'm not making money from it they're all gifts and things and i sip on it from time to time and it gives me that sort of sense of liberation you see what i, I like about life is that aspect of that, that that sort of uh, romantic delinquent uh -huh. that, you know, through the know-how of just collecting material and, and developing things, it's the process that I'm more electrified by than the overall outcome of it. So I, I, I'm a bit of a polymath when it comes to stuff like that. I've been I've been making a lot of different products when it comes to CBD as well, um, because I also grow my own ganja up here in Canada. We're allowed to grow four plants, so you can have four plants the size of redwood trees on your plant if you, on your property if you want. So I've been medicinally also doing stuff for my mom who has had cancer in the past, my brother who's got all kinds of shoulder ailments. Same thing with my sister and her Crohn's disease. And it, it, what I like is seeing it happen and work and go through it that again it's delinquent right like i was doing it before it was legal no well, I, but yeah my, so, my roommate he he was making his his moose juice was a beer that, that he brewed uh, he grew shrooms in there and uh made his own acid and he had uh like three six foot tall plants in the basement and I was like, dude, I'm a yank, man. I don't know if, like, if I get arrested, like, what happens to the police raid here? He said, uh, I'd pay a fine. I said, you would, not me. He said, yeah, I'd, I'd pay like a $35 fine. They'd take my plants. And and that was it, right? He said, nobody's been arrested for weed in Canada since the 80s. So Yeah, no, I, I, other than big operations that were like, you know, small airplane hangers, 
filled with stuff. That's who they were looking for. But then, and, you know, and what happened here in Canada really with the laws and regulations was kind of public highway robbery because it was a monopoly. They had a lottery for, for you know, a certain duration of time. So everybody could kind of get their hooks into it. And now there's sort of the trickle down effect is, is coming into place. So every little small town you go to is going to have a dispensary. Well, yeah, well, our neighborhood, I live just off Rue, Ontario, if you know Montreal, right? So I was between Rue, yep. Ontario and St. Catherine. So there were like five head shops within, you know, two blocks from where I lived, you know, so. Uh, but I, I got to say, so I love beets, dude. I love beets, right? That's like one of my favorite foods of all time, right? And I've always wanted, cool. to, I've always wanted to like start a restaurant of just beets dishes well not all beets dishes but you know beets would be the main dishes right i was gonna call it beets me right and then <laughs> some dominatrix showed up for the job interview man that girl had some freaky ass cooking gear i tell you <laughs> i was gonna say you call it bor borscht lumps or something like that because of, you know borscht soup with with the with the whole thing, but that's a good one-liner with, with the dominatrix thing. Yeah, that's great, man. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, that one was gift-wrapped. You threw the beats at me. I was like, dude, I got to take that joke and run with it. So, um, <laughs> so let's see. Uh, the, the, the way she goes, uh, that one was pretty funny because you make it sound like you don't have a reason to take much very seriously. And it sounded a bit like Mark Knopfler's solo work. With some of the bare naked ladies in there, I was like, he's really. I mean, that's like if you heard Mark Mark Knopfler's solo work, especially the Shangri La record, you know, I was like, that's some fun sound in that direction there. Uh, but uh, what, what was the point of that one? The way she goes, because it it just like you're basically saying, I don't give a shit anymore. This is not worth taking seriously. <laughs> well, yeah, yes and no. I think you're right because the more I care the less I give a shit because I give a shit. I don't give a shit the more I care. In the weirdest ways, it's got this dichotomy to it. It actually stemmed from something my grandfather said to me many years ago, which was "Dirty hands make clean money." And and I sat with that in my mind, you know, when I was going through some. I'm still well. I'm coming out the other side, which is even more important. A lot of crazy shit in my life. And I, I, you know, asking myself a lot of hard questions about who I am, what I'm doing, do I want to keep doing it? What you know, all of those things that everybody goes through. And and I started to realize, you know, there's some things that you can work towards and change. Mm -hmm. There's other things that you can't. There's other things that you can't. As much as you work, try, do whatever it is that you possibly can do, it's a there's a there's a force mechanism there that's saying uh uh. And that's the way it goes. That's what it's saying. Just like an open door or window. It'll come and go. But, you know, it's to, to flow through with it is the most important thing. Don't throw, like it says, the bathwater out with the baby, like in the lyric, in the line there. Um, I, I've, I've learned this a long time now. And even through this process, what I was talking about before with Red Omen is that, the, and writing even, the you have an idea and a catalyst, something something that sparks you in some kind of a way, and you think, oh, this is what I want to say, this is what I want to say, this is what... Of course, the catalyst has everything in it that is necessary to say. You don't need to force the catalyst to say this, 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 and everything. The most important thing is that you do is you listen to what it's saying to you. What I've found more important about who I am as a writer is listening to what that's telling me and asking it questions so more of the information is shown to me as opposed to what I think it should actually be. That's the way it goes. Sometimes it comes in this fluidity in a certain way that you're like, hey, man, this was what happened there. That was just like magic. You know, what, I've had this experience on gigs to like crazy nights out with people to just simple, you know, getting from A to B. Like, how did we get here so fast? Mm -hmm. You know, to other times where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a simple drive and we'll get there in no time at all. And you think two hours later, what happened? You know, all of that is that sense of resistance or or or, or movement through. I don't know what you want to call it, the force, however you want to define it as that. But th there's the points. So you just got to let it go. It's not it, and go with the flow. You know, that's that's kind of where 
I'm going with it. And there's uh, subtle things in the language as well, too, that are suggesting that, you know, you don't need an exorbitant amount of material things in order to create a healthy society. You know, all of those things are, are, you know, tied into materialism and the sort of the triumph of ego as to who we are today. Because as much as I have gear and a home that I'm lucky enough to live in and a computer to record on and all, all of this kind of doesn't mean anything to me. What means the most to me is my connections to people in my living moment. Because I, I'm not taking any of this shit with me. All of this is just, it's just junk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's it's not junk. It's not junk. They're my tools, but at the same time, it, what's more important is that is how I'm making people feel. Like Maya Angelou said the same thing. You can do whatever you want. And at the end of the day, what's people are going to remember the most is how you made them feel. So I, I guess that's what what the same thing with the song. We are filling our lives with hey, look at these new shoes. Look at this car. I have this. I have this. none of that means anything. I really want to know what you're what, who you are as a person and what what moves you. Because that's really where I see the spark of creativity and passion intermingling with so many things. Again, where it's like, I, I hear somebody's story from somebody I met on the street when I was living in New York to somebody else in a club to talking to a radio personality or something like that. And I'm always being sparked by their passion, by what drives them in, in a certain way, because it reflects back on me in this way. And it becomes this like Taurus motor of, 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 of exchange. It's the same thing with a good, healthy conversation. That's why the text environment for me, even as a dyslexic, it can be horrific because being in a room with somebody with a character driven conversation means the information's going to stick in a different way. It's going to feel like it's more part of your experience of understanding and how it unfolds in your imagination because of the way it's, 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 it's delivered in some way. Some of the people I remember as a young person, even people just come into the house because we have a, a very busy household with the cattle business that we had, my dad being the mayor of the township. And it was like, you know, two, four, seven all the time. There's something going on. But what was amazing about that experience is so many different walks of life of people came through my house and those are the character personalities telling stories about what was going on what was happening it educated me in a way that a book couldn't and 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 that this the, the americana canadiana-esque idea behind the way she goes has that feel to it i wanted to kind of be the storyteller thing and the video was like me walking down the road and this, this girl that friends of mine their daughter she was in the video gracie i love you she you know, it's like the guy coming up and the girl's got the questions as to why the house is abandoned and nobody's using it anymore. And that's why it's the way it goes. It comes, it happens, it flourishes and it moves on. We question it. We let's like that living in the past of certain things. It's important to be conservative in certain ways. Conservation is, is important, but it's also important to move forward in a, in a very liberal fashion and to leave those things in the past. So it, it's, it's sort of circumnavigating a lot of different ideas about what's going on. You know? From the, and there's a lyric in there where I go, your mortal shackles can lose in battles. I think you've known this all along. You know, I remember being five and understanding then when my grandfather died of what death was. You know, five standing there looking at, a, you know, your grandfather in a coffin. Going, I'm going to die with you. You know, your moral coils ticking. Yeah, no, there, there were those. Yeah, there were those pieces in there. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, again, you were delivering. Your, your lyrics get really. Uh, some I again, I'm to be honest. Some I don't quite know how to take them. Some I go, oh, this is great. Some I like, oh wow, that one's gonna need a lot of dissecting. Um, <laughs> Well, okay, all right. Well, so, well, yeah, that's the point, right? You know, if, if, if you're going to, you got to listen to it more than once, right? To, so, um, yeah, if, if you want someone to listen to it more than once. If, if they say, oh, I heard that song once and I got it and they, they move on, right? Yeah, well, fuck off, Ricky Martin. You know, that was, or Justin Bieber, you know, like, yeah, I heard the song, it did it did what it was supposed to. No, well, hey, and that one out of here. Uh, you know, I could dance a lifetime with my sweet tobacco rose. You could yep. build your nations with, with dirty hands and denim clothes. And even in our twilight, I think that everybody knows, right? It, it has a flow to the way, you know, it, an open mind, a loving heart is the only way she goes. That's mm-hmm. the, oh, yeah. just sort of... No, it was, it was I, powerful. It was, I, yeah, it was like, again, I just the, put the it whistle, on and had to just the, keep digging the, and digging and digging. Go ahead. Yeah. 
the whistle on your kettle's been chirping and beat red is the song, you know? Your mortal coil's been winning battles. I think you know this all along, right? Squeaky wheel's been seizing because the grease price is too high. Just change the channel, it'll never ever change. And wave it all goodbye, right? <laughs> I, I, the, the flow of those constants that are in those things could be interpreted in any way by anybody. But for me, it, it, you know, it means something completely different. When you're like, hmm, that's going to take some more dissecting. And I'm like, good. Not that that's going to get multiple plays. But as a young person, falling in love with certain lyrics, wondering, just like you were, what that is. What does that mean? Dig deeper. What, what is the, the rhyme or the reason? It, it was a big part of it becoming my own. In some way, that investigation through it, even if it took time, made it, like I said, stick in, 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 a, in a completely different way. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, you're talking about, you know, literal writing with certain artists today, and it's so commercial, and it, it, it isn't really, you know, my thing. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to just, for face value, say, I'm going to write a song just to make money. I, I don't write for that reason. People are like, why don't you write a bit, the big hit? Like, you can, you can do all the stuff. You can play all these instruments. And da, 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 da. That's not why I'm here. I, I, I'm not here just to make money. I'm trying to express myself in a living moment. Herbie Hancock once said, the definition of an artist is one who has the ability to fuse their life with the rhythm of the times. And I think that's, I've seen that in my life in, in 50 years of tenure of being on the sphere. From people like Bruce Springsteen to Dylan to Hendrix to so many different people that have sort of painted this tapestry in a certain way that it, you know exemplifies their moment, but doesn't literally say, "This is you. This is what you're doing. This is what you're driving. This is what you're eating." It has shape and color and form. It's almost like a Picasso painting. You know, it's like people are like questioning Picasso. It's like the Cubist movement, and all these different things that he was doing. And he's like, "Well, wait a minute. You know, not all art is meant to be immediately." Uh, comprehended and understood it's meant to be felt it's 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 meant to go through these kinds of these experiences inside of you so in the end you're feeling something completely different than other than saying that's a cat on a mat inside of you know a house we all understand that's 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 dictation and and for me art and language should have the same sort of concept going on in it sometimes sometimes it can be literal and that's fine too but, but when it can be that way, it's really amazing because it has some other form of connection to, the, to me personally as a writer in my living moment. Often, I mean, look at me, I don't shut up. It's stream of consciousness sometimes that's coming through me and I have to go back and edit and I follow those streams that I'm really liking in a way, I'm following it. I'm not telling it what to do. If you were open up the 50 writing books that I have here, you're just going to see it's just page after page of stream of consciousness. And then I, I square off certain things in it and I, and I organize them so they're more palatable to people in some kind of a way. And I may change certain things about them. But ultimately, it's more about capturing that wave. And it's always happening everywhere, all the time, from when I open my phone in the morning to if I turn the TV on, if I get in the car and turn on the radio, I'm always getting stream of information. Not only that way, but through my eyes, my senses, all of my senses are feeling those kinds of things. Wow. That's, that's, that's a lot of movement there, um, of thought. Um. <laughs> Let's go I'm to something like a bit lighthearted. No, 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 no. Let's let's move on to something a bit lighthearted. Clone the sheep, man. That song was so out of the normal vibe, and it sounded like it was so unlike anything else on the record. But it, said, it was Dead Kennedys like punk, man. I was like, this is this is old school yeah. punk, and I loved it. But I, I I did get quite a chuckle out of that one too. So let's talk about Clone the Sheep. Well, I mean, I'm showing my aggressive side, right? Like you said, it's like Dead Kennedys meets the Butthole Surfers meets, like, you know, Sex Pistols or something. But I, it's fun. It's fun to do that that crazy stuff. And it, it's another side of myself. But I, this is the thing. I don't even know. It was, it was really out of place on the record, which made me laugh when I heard. I was like, oh, this is funny because it's, it's not what you would have expected to be sitting between these two songs. So that's what made it. So well, because I'm so, again, as I'm so passionate about agriculture, I come from a family of 150 years or more that's been farming. My uncle was a gifted crossbreeder. 
we had 250 Holsteins, plus my mom and dad were the first to ever bring cattle. I know it's not a sheep, it's cattle, in from France to Canada. They were known as Blonde d'Aquitaine. Now they're right across the country. Uh, started the first embryo transplant center ever in Mississauga, Ontario. My uncle was so gifted. Uh, this man had a grade three education that was, you know, had uranium mines in a deal with the federal government for selling uranium for nuclear power plants, mines in Ankura, uh, built the first cathedral, ever basilica in Canada, the tr- cathedral, the Transfiguration. His friend was Pope John Paul II, came and blessed the cathedral. Uh, he was all those things, but more so passionate about animals and agriculture. So he could look at two different animals and go, these two animals should be crossed just by the way of looking at them, touching them and stuff. And the bloodlines would be so formidable that in 1976, he sold a calf to Japan for $1.6 million. And it was on the front cover of Time magazine. So that's how inbred the idea has been instilled in me as a person with my parents and my family that your symbiotic relation of living inside of the environment is so important and understanding how to look at it and perceive it. That, th- that, that same gift that I'm talking about, whether it exists as a shoe salesman or a musician, exists everywhere. So my point is, I've seen so much change in food and agriculture over so many years that it alarmed me. It alarmed me in terms of practices, how people were raising animals, to how people were growing food. I'm very passionate about what that is, and I've done an alarming amount of research on my own that I could actually probably do a doctorate on it. So point being is that that song is talking in the craziest of ways about cloning the sheep remember dolly the sheep it's like well that's the oh, same yeah. thing it's yeah, a genetic no, I, I, copy I was, duplicate i was laughing right? all the way so, through it yeah, but, but i could feel the anger so, the, the whole, tension and it was funny you know? yeah yeah and, and, and that's that's it and i'm like so if you were gonna count them that's where the craziness and the mel brooks side of it comes in it's just like so but if there's if it's the same one you really can't get to the second one because it's it's not different so you're, it's always one, 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 one. It's always the same sheep coming out of the machine. One, one, one. Right. And so and it just makes you go, what the hell is this? In the weirdest of ways, that that crazy rep. I actually had a couple people email me going, you know what, man? When I put the record on, I thought my thing was skipping. And I'm like, yes. I was like, that's the, that's the effect that I was hoping for because it's just so insane what's going on right now. It's the umbrella of it all, all happening in a song. <laughs> Well, let's see. There was um, the 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 English punk band called the Toy Dolls. They did a song called "Glenda Was a Test Tube Baby," and then the Who <laughs> did a song on the album. What was it? Who's next? Yeah, who's next? That was called uh, "905," and that was also about a test tube baby. So um, that, that's baby. that's a totally go look up the the Who 905 905. Anyway, um, that's okay. weird. That's my area code. That's my area code. That's crazy, baby. Uh, up there in the Great White North, the 905. I, I was in the yep. Saint Catars. I was in the 514. Saint Catars. Saint Catars. Oh, eh? So, um, yeah, so uh, that song "Tough Cookie." The line "Heart attack makes you humble." Is that your actual story? No. It, it's coming from. I've had a couple people, you know, that I've known, and they were curmudgeon assholes you want me to put it simply <laughs> and i've known other people that have gone through life-changing experiences like that they come out on the other side and they're like they're different people right and it, it, it sort of stems from that whole thing that you know even despite that some people go through these like i almost died it doesn't really affect them in some kind of a way it wasn't mm-hmm. anything that personally happened to me it's just it's things that i've seen happening to certain people and it, it actually ties more into like Sometimes even the most drastic of things don't seem to affect people. When I think that somehow the sentient mind would go, "Damn, maybe I should think about what I'm doing here and, and you know change change my, my my frequency." You know, it's 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 weird sometimes. Yeah, no, I, that was an interesting one. I was like, that line, the heart attack would make you humble. You would think a heart attack <laughs> would make you humble. And I was like, was that you or was that somebody you knew that that you? Well, man, you had a heart attack and you're still an asshole. Um, yeah. So tough cookie to crumble. Oh Just yeah, no, to crumble, right. So um, this one was kind of funny because it's it, to it like the band Yes on Mega Steroids. 
and then you drop a loot in there and then put them back on speed. Um, time itself crept up on me, and I couldn't ride the wake. Okay, the time changes in that song were like, yes, going bonkers. Because, you know, yes, we're big on time changes, right? That was one of their big yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, they, they would They'd switch it out all through the song. They, they keep it in the in, in the same chord or key, but then the time change, it'd be just, you know. I'm like, you are, I was like, how the hell is he doing that one on this? Because it was a consistent time change over the whole thing all through there. That was hilarious. That was very impressive. That was very impressive. Really, what, what was the, the, what dude, was the mind not, behind that song? I'm so happy you brought that up because a lot of people talk about all the other more language related material that i do and it that's sort of a mantra you know that one with the overlapping time crept up on me and i couldn't ride the wake part mm-hmm. that it's it starts at a slow tempo and just keeps getting faster and faster and faster and faster in terms of its bpms its beat per minute right yeah but th- it my perception of time is that way when i was a kid don't you remember those long extended summers that were like summer Wow, you know, you're like out, you know, school's done or whatever, and, and we got to go, man, it's June and July and August, and then you know, back. That seemed to be so elastic and huge. And as I've gotten older, it's it, it, it time is dilated. It's mm-hmm. actually to me speeding up, and even the I concept of the, you know the expanding universe and this potential of you know the kinetic formula of you know ex- exponentially growing on top of itself over and over again until it, it actually becomes a new cycle. It starts to open up at this new speed. So the time change represents you're, you're crashing through that barrier in the wall. And, and, and now you're in this new zone. And you know, out comes the in search of Leonard Nimoy solo at the end, right? Like it has, it has that, that, that sort of – and I wanted it to do that. Mike, I remember sending it to my – Mike Stover, my manager. He's like, this was making me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, good. Well, no, I, I got a kick out of it because I've, it, it reminded me of – uh, I don't know if you like some of the early Sid Barrett when he went solo and was trying to do stuff, right? It, it was just like, I mean, when he did his solo stuff out from Pink Floyd, it was, there was just some cool stuff. And I, I, I really got a kick out of that. There was some really funny things. That I don't know if Sid did it just because he was on too much acid or, or what direction you were going in, but it, it was, it was great. So um, I, I, I like, I just like the feel of the tap, like the, like I said, it, it has a character in itself as a whole, as opposed to just being segmented, you know, mm-hmm. it just grows and grows and boom. So no, that was, that was a fantastic, that was a great mix. I, I, it, it's, you know, it's just one that you, you want to get in there and listen to just for the, for the chuckle to go, wow, I experienced it, you know? Um, cause it's anyway, um, uh, let's see. Uh, the, the next question, and this is the song I'm going to play us out with, actually. Tomorrow is Today. That's the one that they fed me the line with that I really enjoyed. Uh, talk about yes. that one. Talk about Tomorrow is Today, because that, that's what I'm going to close this, this segment down with. So, I'm going to play that you out, are, but go uh, ahead. You, you, are, you are awesome, Jeremy, for doing that and, and, and talking about this tune, because it is the new single, but... Yep. I, la- I like language when it's living in the moment, and, and that tune is living in the moment, and it's happening. Talk about it. The Buddha once said, right, the problem is that you think you have time. And, and, and for me, you know, as I said, it, 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 it's exponentially going through that speed cycle. I've been watching my mom go through it. But tomorrow is today is, oh, I'm never going to tell you what I like, then you'll know me too well, know me too well. But then again, I might be relieved. Then again, I might be, <laughs> I'm sorry, man, I've had very little sleep. But then again, I might be revealing all I can tell, all I can tell. I've loved, stolen, cheated, lied, and I lost, or what the hell. There's no use believing in what I believe. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Still got a million miles to go. I should kick myself today. But then the planet starts to roll. 
Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is today. I gave all my money to the man behind the white picket fence, white picket fence. I said, please look after my soul and spiritual recompense. He spent our gold, silver, nickels, dollars and dimes on self-defense, his own self-defense. And then he whistled and smiled and said, I'm off to Switzerland and France, Switzerland and France. All of that exemplifies in the political atmosphere so many things that I see happening today. And us putting so much faith inside of things that we say, well, the system could never ever do something like that to us well look back in history as to how many times the system took advantage of, of people and without them knowing even though they felt like the very thing that they were fighting for was destroying them so oh yeah no that's today, that's that's, it, that's it, what it, america is right now man we are totally that yeah. it's uh so but like there was a there was a line again this this goes back to my my bible days of uh the so john the baptist when he was out preaching to the, the, the people in the wilderness, um, this is in what's the, the Gospel of the Essenes. It's some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, but John the Baptist said to them, uh, You seek that which is eternal. You seek to obtain that which is eternal by that which doth perish in an hour. And I was like, man, you know, and that's that's exactly what I what, you know, I, I just gleaned from what you were talking about there is that, you know, you're. Because when, when well, you die, they, they, guess what? You're dead. And all that wealth and power that you had, guess what? It's not yours anymore, you know. That, so. That's why it's so important for me to realize that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bio, I sing the body electric. I am sentient at the moment because of that. What I do and project out will, uh, for me, cosmically exist forever. That's why music has this sort of religious-like quality to it. Biblical references john of patmos because I'm, I'm i'm fairly well versed in catechism myself but at the same time now the head is in the hand and buzzing in your brain that lyric is literally talking about that moment when he's talking at the time of the apocalyptic moment that this whole idea of the the mark will be either in the head and the hand and spending a lot of time in new york city a couple of years ago walking around manhattan there wasn't many people that didn't have their head in their hands looking at their phones and not paying attention to the living garden of amazing beauty and potential that we have existing all around us. So there is a biblical reference in there, but it's not overly overt and by saying it literally came from this spot. Wow. Wow, man, we could go on about this forever. Listen, uh, Ed, Ed Roman. Red Omen, um, the, 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 the embodiment of Blue Rodeo and Jimmy Buffett all in one. Um, I and, J and Jimi Hendrix's grandmother and Jimi Hendrix, yes, Jimi Hendrix's grandmother. So, okay. um, we've had a fabulous conversation, and thank you so much for your time. We can pick this up. Uh, everybody else, go out and check out uh, Ed Roman. Uh, to say your website here, it's Ed Roman. Go ahead, Ed, edroman.net. New singles out there tomorrow is today. Previous single, Stronger from the album, A Recipe for Perpetual Spring. And thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. You are God. Well, thank you for your time. And everybody else out there, take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your lives. Signing off. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in there. And special thanks to Ed Roman, Red Omen. Uh, this is a wonderful song. I love this one. Tomorrow is Everybody else, take care and uh, enjoy your week. Special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme and title of this jazz. And pay attention like that Russian kid who built his own ship just out of the Mandalorian. Look it up on the news. This is the way. Fence. I said, 
his own self-defense. Then he whistled and smiled and said, I'm off to Switzerland and France. Switzerland and France. Switzerland and France still got a million miles left to go. And I should kick myself today. Then the planet starts to roll. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is today. Forget my name, still got a, a billion miles. 